say yes. Marry me, marry me, say yes for the rest, the rest. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schindel. Today, we serenade our way into the haphazard and manipulative romance music video that is Marry Me. <laughs> but first, this is a comedy podcast. If you've not seen the movie you're about to shit on and want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers and want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, just remember, Paul, that rich people are just like us. They have to ask their assistants to tie their shoes one at a time, just like we do. Without further ado, let's hand it off to Pablo Francisco. <coughs> Music superstars Kat Valdez and Bastian are getting married before a global audience of fans. But when Kat learns, seconds before her vows, that Bastian has been unfaithful, she decides to marry Charlie, a stranger in the crowd, instead. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand how you get sixty million dollars to do a movie like this. Like, how how do you get sixty million dollars in order to do this, Paul? I just don't. It's a stupid they, story. You got to fill the Valentine's Day slot with something. Something, yeah. All the great <laughs> love stories out there that you had to choose this. I mean, they could remake. Uh, they could remake, uh, or they could make a movie about Nero, about how he fell in love with this horse and you know appointed him to be senator. <laughs> That would be a great Valentine's Day movie. Anyway, sure. this is a universal release in association with Kung Fu Monkey Productions, uh, yeah. Nero uh, Rican Productions, and Perfect World Pictures. This is our 10th film from Universal. Previously, we saw such movies as Cats, Black Hat, and last year's Valentine's Day selection, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, man, they're really pushing in those Valentine's movies, huh? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kung Fu Monkey Productions has only had four titles under its belt. They did some TV show called The Player with Wesley Snipes from 2015, and they currently have a Magnum P.I. project in the works, Paul, focusing on the daughter of Tom Selleck's character. For some reason, we need this. That's what we need in the world right now, is a fucking Magnum P.I. daughter spinoff. Nero Rican Productions has 257 titles to its name, most of which are TV episodes of The Fosters, Shades of Blue, and Good Trouble, all of which are produced by Puerto Rican heritage woman Jennifer Lopez. Their best is the critically acclaimed Hustlers with J-Lo, while their worst includes Feel the Noise from 2007 with its 3 out of 10 on IMDb, and The God Off of the Boy Next Door starring J-Lo. Perfect World has 65 titles to their name with the recent titles, The 355 and Nobody under their belts. Did you see Nobody with Bob Odenkirk, dude? Uh, no, I need to watch that. I need to watch I that. I really, really enjoyed it, man. It was yeah. entertaining as shit, and he's like super great in it because yeah. he's like charismatic and funny, and it yeah. just it works, man. It's good shit. But they also did the critically acclaimed hits 50-50 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Black Klansman from Spike Lee, Phantom Thread from P.T. Anderson, which, side note, everyone should go to see Licorice Pizza this weekend instead of Marry Me, by the way, because Licorice Pizza, P.T. Anderson's new movie, is fucking excellent dude it's like one of his best movies i loved it man i did not know he came out with another movie it's the see this is my point you're a movie fan and you don't know that he's got a new movie out because the entire world is drowning in fucking advertising (laughs) for other stupid bullshit and fucking pt anderson is having to slum his little movie along hoping that people go see it but in legit dude it's legit one of my favorite movies from pt anderson not because it's like 
as brilliant and brutal as there will be blood or like you know as as interesting as boogie nights it's just a goddamn fun movie like if you took like <laughs> the the really entertaining fun parts of boogie nights and mixed it with like the carefree environment and fun of uh uh punch drunk love it's somewhere in there it's like yeah. this super fun 70s movie that's super well acted and it's just it's just a fucking great movie man you got to check out licorice pizza enjoy the uh, shit out of it anyway they also did nocturnal animals uh oscar winner darkest hour and first man with ryan gosling and a camera operator with parkinson's disease did you ever see first man i did you know i watched it yeah it uh i thought it was good i really I liked, liked it i mean the, 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 i own it <laughs> but i mean the, the cinematography like, at the beginning is like really out of control there's yeah, some handheld yeah. shit in there oh, that i'm yeah. just like Calm down. Like, calm down what you're doing with I mean, the hand. They're trying right? to make feel, uh, feel intense when you're flying through space at Mach yeah. 6, whatever. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the, there is problems with the cinematography in that movie at the beginning because, like, the handheld shit they went way overboard with. But yeah. when, you know, the, the steady progression, the idea of starting on 16 millimeter and then moving to 35 and then moving to 65 and then moving to IMAX for the moon sequence was, like, really really brilliant work like because the texture physically changes and by the time that you get to the moon it's like these beautiful beautiful images of the moon and i'm like i didn't even notice it's kind of sad oh god damn you (laughs) go back and watch it again you lazy bitch (laughs) just go back and watch it again Anyway, unfortunately, we saw their horrifying, shit-caked litter box from a movie called Cats, the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, and The Mummy with Tom Cruise, which I think I'll say at this moment is the worst fucking Tom Cruise movie in existence, and that's saying a lot considering that cocktail (laughs) and risky business exist. This miserable cheese puff stain on your Louis Vuitton bag was produced by 14 people. She has most coach bags, by the way. That's yeah, her, well, her fuck sponsorship. her. That's I don't give a shit. That's the of the fuck movie, her. too, I'm fuck sure. Fuck her. I'm not acknowledging that. Oh, okay. <laughs> most of them, most of these people are producers of, or I'm sorry, are single note producers, meaning they've only done this movie, or minimal producers, meaning they haven't done anything really worth talking about. A few of them have produced multiple J-Lo projects over the years, but it is really... <laughs> Benny Medina, John Rogers, and Pamela Thur, I want to chat about this week. <sighs> Benny Medina has been involved for a while in the film business. He produced three other J-Lo movies, Made in Manhattan, The Boy Next Door, and Hustlers, but it is really his TV work that you might know him for, with his work on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, as well as its reboot, as well as producing The Fosters, Shades of Blue, and Good Trouble with J-Lo. But it's really how his career bottomed out with the boy next door with J-Lo that I want to admonish him over. Who the fuck thought this movie was a good idea? It's like, oh, she sees like this cute boy move in next door and like this weird sexual affair starts happening between her and this young kid. It's fucking weird, dude. And it's like, it's rated R and they just, they deliberately cut around any possible amount of nudity that's coming from J-Lo. And it's like weird because she'll like roll over in a particular way or move in a particular way where like most of her body is obscured, but it still kind of looks like nudity is there. And it looks just fucking unnatural or that it took so much work in order to get it to there. And I'm just like, (laughs) what is the point, man? What is the point? Just body double her so that way she doesn't have to actually show her real boobs and just move on. Like, stop with the fuck. 
whatever. But anyway, John Rogers, you might know because we bitched about him way back on in episode 12, the core for his work as a writer on that film. But I also... I also want to flagellate him for having written Catwoman, a.k.a. the movie that basically (laughs) stalled Halle Berry's career. Thanks for that, John. He also wrote the story for the first Transformers movie, so we can thank him for helping Michael Bay to have a career. Fuck you, Michael Bay. Oh, and he wrote 10 episodes of The Cosby Show as well, if that means anything. I I don't know if it does. I would make a joke here, but I I would rather not make a joke about The Cosby Show and about Bill Cosby. Finally this week, I bring up Pamela Thur. She produced a really terrible movie that I actually quit, only one of two movies that I have ever quit in New York, called Ode to Joy with Martin Freeman. It wasn't her fault that it wasn't her fault that the movie sucked or that I quit, even though Tier Zero movies should never exist ever, and that it's a fucking terrible thing to pay the crew that little. But it was definitely the fault of a DP named David You were a class A flapping asshole, David Fuck yourself. Uh, the cast of this movie seems like a grab bag. <laughs> seems like a grab bag from Mad Libs rather than an inspired casting of a real casting director. You got J-Lo, Owen Wilson, uh, Malumar, uh, Malumar, Malumar, I don't know how to say his name. I don't give a shit. The guy who plays Bastion, he's a one-word name. Great great having a one-name Bastion. moniker. Jack and asshole. But John Bradley is also in this movie, as well as Sarah Silverman. Uh, And and it's just, this whole movie just kind of comes off as a Hallmark movie masquerading as legitimate theatrical filmmaking. And I don't get it, dude. I don't get how this movie got made, because it's just, it feels like a Hallmark movie. Anyway, Jenny needs a Hallmark movie once in a while in their life. Sure, but it's usually Christmas that you get those. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Jenny from the Block, we all know, is the alum of such gems as Gili, which we looked at in episode 14 of the podcast, as well as Anaconda. Oh, oh, Anaconda. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I've heard that J-Lo and Ben Affleck are getting back together. Did you hear that? Did you know that? No. No, I did not know that, oh and God. I don't give no. a shit. Oh my God. Where did, did you read this? Benifer. Some fucking toilet fucking... <laughs> Paper of a rag of a newspaper. Where did you Jill, read this? Jill told me who heard it from a friend. Oh who heard it from oh a friend? Apparently, oh my I god, don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I I really don't give a shit. It's one of those things that I just I hope that it doesn't come back because it's one of those things that should have died in the early two thousands and it needs to stay where it died. Anyway, she is the star of such alums as Gili, which we looked at in episode fourteen. So I won't deride her too much. As for Owen Wilson, we shit on you with Anaconda, so I won't belabor this point too much. I'll just say that your movies with Wes Anderson notwithstanding, you're basically another bro who starred in a movie as a hazing ritual for your frat, and unfortunately you can't do anything else now because the joke has gone too far. You're mostly a useless actor who talks like you got hit in the head with the Maltese Falcon, and that you never recovered. But beyond that, your your involvement... (laughs) Sorry. Your involvement with the Crayon movie, uh, the hero of Color City, should be evidence enough of your bad decisions. What? But I'll remind you, yeah, look, just Google the poster for the hero of Color City and tell me that you think that he should still have a career after just looking at the fucking box art for that. 
But I'll also remind you, Owen, that you were in Marmaduke, Zoolander 2, Anaconda, The Big Bounce, The Haunting, How Do You Know, Little Fockers, Father Figures, and Drillbit Taylor, which you should get spanked with a spiked paddle for. Malamar, Malamar, I'm just going to call him Malamar if I'm going to be honest here. If you can't tell wait, by the way. Wait, wait, wait. Owen Wilson isn't even, like, billed on the hero of Color City. Yeah, he is. So as I'm, I'm looking at the it, I'm looking at the poster. It's she's he's not on she, the poster. Fuck right, face. Well, damn, dude, that he's not even billed. Jesus. So that means that that means that he wasn't involved. Is that what you're saying? No, he just, it just he should be. He should be forgiven. They didn't even for bother to give him day. credit. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> Anyway, Malamar, if you can't tell by the one name moniker, is a pop star from Colombia. He has 77 credits on IMDb, 74 of which are music videos, but he does lend his voice to the Disney movie Encanto, if that means anything. As far as I'm concerned, he comes off as a shitty Mark Anthony, aka J-Lo's ex, and he sucks mm. at acting, but whatever. John Bradley plays J-Lo's manager, but you might know him as Sam the Fat from some show called Game of Thrones. You know, uh, that show that you were obsessed with that you couldn't shut the fuck up about until they shit the bed yeah, after eating right. powdered glass and fired blood-stained shit from their anus was, in the final episode. It was so good until you know, it wasn't. You know, Paul, the, the show where the showrunners had their heads buried so far into their own bloodied asses that they destroyed their prospects with Disney of writing three Star Wars movies. You remember that fucking show? Yeah. yeah. That's too bad. Anyway... <laughs> I would watch a rated R Star Wars trilogy from them as, as long as it was kind of Game of Thrones, but in Star I would. Wars. I wouldn't. No? I, no? The, the ending of Game of Thrones just proved to me that they are the most pretentious fucking <laughs> fart-smelling assholes. I'm saying, been... like, they, as far as scripts for Star Wars, they could do worse. I'm yeah, they could hire J.J. Abrams to write another one. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, while he isn't as fat as he was in Game of Thrones, good on you, dude. That's a great achievement. He is in an awful zombie movie called Patient Zero with the core alum Stanley Tucci and is currently in Moonfall from 10,000 BC alum oh, director Roland Emmerich about yeah. a mysterious force knocking the moon out of orbit and hurling it towards the Earth. So that is something to look forward to, I guess. Otherwise, he's in two episodes of Shameless, if that means anything. And that's pretty much it. Sarah uh, Silverman used to have her own show on Comedy Central, and now I have no idea, dude. You know, like she's she does lend her voice as the as one of the twins, uh, the kid Ollie on Bob's Burgers for sixty episodes. Like you can kind of hear it in her voice, but yeah. she's she's also wonderfully profane in the HBO Max original called Santa Incorporated, and she was one of the random doctors on Masters of Sex on Showtime. But like honestly, I she's so in between, and maybe it's just because it's a lot of voiceover roles that I. I honestly didn't remember when was the previous time that I saw her. Yeah. I saw this she's movie. She's been around for a long time, but I don't oh, think she's sure. really primarily a movie actress. For sure. I think she does more stand-up and writing and shit or something. Yeah. But, you know, recently she was in Don't Look Up on Netflix, which is pretty good with Leo and J-Law. Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. She was in School of Rock, There's Something About Mary, and lent her voice to Wreck-It Ralph. But, that, but, dude, let's not forget that she was in Space Jam 2, a.k.a. LeBron's Rim Job. <sighs> 
and in Screwed with Norm Macdonald and Dave Chappelle with its seven on Metacritic. Seven out of a hundred. That's like one of the Dang. lowest scoring movies ever. That's good. This week, four people are responsible for vomiting this auto-tuned garbage into the world. John Rogers, once again, Tammy Sager, and Harper Dill are responsible for the script, and it is adapted from a fucking graphic novel by Bobby Crosby. Yeah, I heard that too. I'm like, who would make, who the who would fuck write would read that? Well, then... never mind writing it. Who the fuck would read it? And then draw pictures for it. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about like the lowest form of reading, I'm not trying to insult comics by any means, but like like, if you can't turn this story into a book and you got to draw it in pictures, like, <laughs> maybe your fucking story sucks, man. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not trying to shit on graphic novel novels. I'm a huge comic book fan, and I do love a lot of great graphic novels. But this, I just, when I heard that this is a graphic novel, I was just like, for what? Like, children with, like, developmental disorders? Like, who is this written for? But, Anyway, John, your writing sucks, man. Catwoman, the core, and this. Jesus Christ. You shouldn't write any more scripts, bro. Let's let's take old Yeller out back. Please. <laughs> Just put him down, yeah. Tammy Sager, however, wrote 10 episodes of Inside Amy Schumer, which I have no idea what that is. 34 episodes of 30 Rock, which I have never watched. And 113 episodes of mad tv paul just uh, fuck man yeah. like look yeah. to each their own but seriously mad tv god damn it dude yeah. and somebody that cut their teeth on mad tv is now writing a 60 million dollar screenplay like what the fuck what the fuck <laughs> Anyway, Harper Dill wrote a bunch of episodes of The Mick, which I have never seen. It's that show with, uh, what's her name, uh, the Caitlin, uh, what's her name from uh, It's Always Sunny, the girl that plays Sweet D. Uh -huh. Her TV show, The it, Mick. Is it about Irish people or something? No idea. I, okay. I I have no idea. It's so far outside of my wheelhouse, I just don't give a shit because it's yeah. on like network television. I really don't care. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and she wrote 23 episodes of The Mindy Project, which I have also never seen, mostly because I don't like Mindy Kaling at all. I don't find her entertaining. I don't find her funny. I don't I just know who that is. She also is in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the episode when uh, the first episode back in the new season, I think it was season... 13 or 12 when Dennis goes away and they like replace him with that uh that eastern indian looking woman yeah uh, yeah right. that's Mindy Kaling uh, anyway. okay all right yeah anyway face, face to the name all right cool. yeah yeah so yeah. this is Bobby Crosby's first credit in film it's based on his graphic novel but he does have a graphic novel called Last Blood that is being adapted into a film it actually has a pretty interesting logline it's after zombies take over the earth, vampires must protect the last surviving humans so that they can live off their blood. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty entertaining. It's it's entertaining. Yeah, I would watch. There's, I would there's watch a lot of potential in that. I'd yeah. watch shit out of that, dude. That sounds yeah. good. But how do you write a graphic novel like that and a graphic is, novel huh. like this? Like, what the fuck? I like, anyway, I guess he likes diverse 
themes. Sure. Sure. So far, we have a bunch of nobodies writing and being produced by other nobodies. And this leads us to director Kat Koiro. I'm not sure if I'm saying her last name correctly. She directed four episodes of It's Always Sunny, The Gang Wins the Big Game, Charlie's Home Alone, Time's Up for the Gang, and The Gang Beats Boggs. Ladies reboot, oh, yeah. all of which are fantastic yeah. episodes. Time's up is one Not of my really favorites. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not really sure how this movie turned out so humorless, given that she has a really good keen eye for humor in that TV show. Other than that, she has had she has done a few episodes here and there of random shit, but has six episodes of She-Hulk coming down the pipe on Disney Plus because we need more Marvel content, apparently, Paul. And She-Hulk is what where else we're going to do with my life, Gabe. I guess. I mean, all you got to do is just eat whatever fucking bullshit that right, right. Marvel and Disney are feeding you on a regular basis. Anyway, this movie was just released Says on the guy Friday. Who's trying Fe- to get a job with them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this movie was just released on Friday, February 11th, 2022 at 3642 theaters and unfortunately, given that we record on Saturday nights, we do not have a weekend gross yeah, yet. It's going to be sad. So far, so far, we only have a one-day gross of $3 million for Friday, February 11th, which actually isn't that bad, making it number two a literal piece of shit this weekend behind the top-grossing movie that is a remake of Death on the Nile by Kenneth I Can See France Up My Own Ass Brana. You know what, dude? I, I'm sorry, all right? I, I just got to bitch about Kenneth Brana for a second. I like Hamlet. I'm really looking forward to watching that new movie Belfast that he did. He's a decent actor. I like him in that he's in uh, that he's in Dunkirk. I like that he's in fucking um, Tenant. I like him as an actor. I'm tired of him. Like he, I think that he thinks that he's way smarter than he is. And every role like that he does, especially the roles where he has like a really thick accent because he's from fucking Belfast. He's an Irish actor. And when he tries to do his Russian accent, especially it's like, oh, my God, dude, like just <laughs> stop, please. <laughs> it comes off as ham-fisted and terrible and like I and every movie that he directs he always acts like he's super smart and that he's like this great brilliant director but death on the nile is one of those ones that i'm just like super pissed off about he like remakes death on the nile and he plays henry poirot and i'm just like really you're gonna adopt a mustache and a fucking french accent who are you johnny depp <laughs> you're just gonna keep changing hats you fucking hack but whatever <laughs> I'm sorry, I got distracted there. Below <laughs> this movie this week is... I'm sorry. So you got Death on the Nile is number one this weekend. Marry Me is number two. Below this week, in the, in the third place, is Jackass Forever, a.k.a. Jackass Geriatrics, Geriatrics. Spider-Man No Way Home, which, by the way, learn how to read fucking Google Maps, by the way, Spidey, so you can get home. Also, fuck <laughs> you, Marvel fans. This movie is still rated as the 28th best movie of all time on IMDb. Despite its 71 on Metacritic, Spidey is still above Spirited Away, The Green Mile, Parasite, Leon the Professional, The Pianist, Terminator 2, Back to the Future, The Usual Suspects, fuck you Brian Singer by the way, (laughs) Psycho, Grave of the Fireflies, American History X, Whiplash, Gladiator, The Lion King, Memento, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Apocalypse Now, and Rear Window. Not to mention that it is also above Doctor Strangelove, The Shining, (laughs) Aliens, and Braveheart. But whatever. 
fuck you, Marvel fanboys. Like, you can't... I don't give a shit <laughs> about anything that's Marvel or Spidey. You cannot possibly tell me that the new Spider-Man movie is better than all of those movies. You just cannot fucking tell me that. I don't what give a shit is? what you fucking... I, I mean, I haven't seen it. You know so what? what it is. I haven't seen it either, but I'm going to see it. Say? What are you going to say? You're going to go see I am it going first. It's fucking um, Spider-Man, dude. Are you kidding me? It's Spider-Man. Spider-Man better than Apocalypse Now? <laughs> Fuck you, dude. I don't care. I don't care if this is the best goddamn Spider-Man movie ever made. It's not better than Apocalypse Now. It just flat out isn't. Like, there's no way. No way you can tell me that it's better than Apocalypse Now. I don't even give a shit. You know, all right, look. I, you know I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan, and you yeah, know that I'm a big Batman, that, that Batman, right there, yeah. Batman, Christopher Nolan creator. You know, like I don't think I think that The Dark Knight is irrefutable that it is a fucking masterpiece. I don't think you can no, shit on that no, movie, but I will I will admit that the third that The Dark Knight Rises is not as good as Apocalypse Now. That Apocalypse Now is far and above better than the the fucking dark knight rises i will freely admit that it's better than batman begins i will even say that apocalypse now is better than memento it's a better movie like you know it's different for sure but yeah. like in terms of rankings of like my favorite movies but i'm sorry you just cannot as much as i am a fucking fanboy of christopher nolan and as much as i fan over his movies you cannot possibly tell me that a fucking spider-man movie is better than apocalypse <laughs> now i'm sorry anyway rounding out the top five this week is liam neeson killing more bad guys in the movie blacklight which i don't know what it's about but i don't give a shit meanwhile licorice pizza flounders oh, at number nine wow have you seen kimmy <laughs> It's on HBO. I have not right? seen it's Kimmy good. It's, it's real good. Soderbergh, I know it just yeah, came out. Yeah. I was really excited about that. Yeah. I, I love Steven Soderbergh. You know I'm a huge fan of his too, so I got to check that out. And yeah. I love Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, but yeah that's anyway. really good. Captures uh, the Seattle angst pretty well, honestly. I was wondering about yeah. that because it was in Seattle. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And there's like that analog to uh, Amazon slash Alexa throughout <laughs> the movie. <laughs> it does anyway. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. I'll probably watch that tomorrow. Anyway, meanwhile, Licorice Pizza flounders at the number nine position this week with a $13 million gross. Marvel fanboys are going to bankrupt good filmmakers if we aren't careful, and I don't want to live in a world where eight out of the top ten movies at the box office are sequels, reboots, prequels, or spinoffs. Enough already, Hollywood. I'm just tired I of the mean, bullshit. Can we do anything else? this movie for being a, a sequel or spinoff, right? So at least no. It's original. But what did I say? All right. I said eight out of the ten, jackass. <laughs> all right. Anyway, to date, it only has the three million dollar gross, and I don't have international numbers for it at all. What I can tell you is that Ethiopia is not into Jen Jenny from the Block, as you may remember from episode thirty-three on Step Brothers. The top-grossing movie in Ethiopia is Defret. Just a reminder of the disclaimer on Ethiopian box office numbers it is very, very fucking difficult to find Ethiopian box office numbers for movies. So if you if you are unhappy with my following <laughs> statistical analysis, I encourage you to do your own fucking research and see if you come up with better numbers that I can for top grossing movies in Ethiopia. That also goes for my estimated asses and seats. It's fucking impossible to find the cost of a movie ticket in Ethiopia this year. But again, if you have a better research or you know better, please help me out as these next numbers took me a long time to find. 
That being said, the highest grossing movie of all time in Ethiopia, near as I can tell, is Defret, a 2014 Ethiopian biopic about Harut, a 14-year-old girl who who shot her would-be husband as he and others were practicing one of the nation's oldest traditions, abduction into marriage. Anyway, Defret grossed a massive $91,941 in Ethiopian box office. Uh, J-Lo's average gross in Ethiopia is $2,973, which means that an average cost of, near as I can tell, 161.42 burr per ticket as an astronomical $23.52 American per ticket in 2022. That brings total estimated Ethiopian asses and seats to 126.4 people. We'll see this movie over the course of its release in Ethiopia. With a population of 117 million people in 2022, that means that 1.08 millionths of Ethiopia's total population might turn up to see J-Lo fall in <laughs> love with Owen Wilson. That's almost worth the cost of the export visa, isn't it, Universal? Just, I mean, how much does a fucking export like visa for a movie cost, dude? Seriously. It's got to cost more than $2,900. There's no way you can make that shit back in uh -huh. Ethiopia. They're never going to see this movie. My favorite reviews this week begin with Abby. Uh, I don't know how to say her last name. I think it's Olsessi from The Pitch. Abby purrs with, quote, got a burp in there. Hang on. Uh, there it is. Life is too short for movies like this. You, your wine, your blanket, and your cats deserve something better. End quote. <laughs> Original score, one out of four stars. Wow. Yeah. Tom, Tom Santilli from Movie Show Plus embarrasses with, quote, Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson are likable and enduring, but Marry Me is an excruciatingly corny, unfunny rom-com that makes Geely look like when Harry met oh. Sally. End quote. Original score, two out of five stars. Lastly this week, Kevin Mayer of The Times in the UK, George Romero's with, quote, The corpse of Notting Hill is reanimated frightfully in the star-crossed rom-com about love across the fame divide. End quote. Original score, one out of five stars. Marry Me has a she-said-no embarrassment of a 6.2 out of 10 with 2,978 votes on IMDb, a can't-get-any-more-indifferent of a 50 on Metacritic, and a splatty 58% on RottenTomatoes.com with, with a more exciting than Mad Max Fury Road audience score of 92%. <laughs> 92% audience score on this fucking movie, dude. Oh. Mad Max Fury Road has an 86. <laughs> how, how does this movie have a higher audience score picking than Mad Max Fury Road? It's all what about for your audience, game, I suppose. Oh my god. Uh, they knew that much. This melted box of chocolate ranks highest amongst females aged 18 to 29. Uh -huh. Go figure. With its 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and lowest amongst females aged less than 18 with a brutal 1 out of 10 <laughs> stars on IMDb. <laughs> it's really brutal. This week, I want to ask 17, the 17.3% of the voters on IMDb, or a shocking 514 people that rated this as a perfect fucking 10 best rom-com ever made, who the fuck hurt you? And how in the name of Christ does this rank as a perfect 10? 
real question. If you like this movie, hit me up. Moviedickspod at gmail.com and tell me <laughs> why you think this movie's good. My no vote this week stands... No fucking perspective, no. people. Yeah, sure. My vote this week stands with the 2.1% or 62 other rational people of the voters who rated this as a 2 out of 10. Marry Me is a chore at 112 minutes long and is rated PG-13 for some language and suggested material. So, Paul, pull out the wine, wine me, dine me, rub my feet, and light a candle. Pitch me this movie like a desperate teenager pitches a backseat <laughs> grope fest. <laughs> Pandemic, man. This fucking sucks. We, we need something to lift our spirits. How about some auto-tuned J-Lo singing songs about... Well, let me let me get some lyrics here. You got a, a church song, all right? Ah, oh, she says that sounds good. Like what? Like Kanye? What Kanye's doing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She <laughs> says it's it's a it's a song. The chorus is just church, 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 church. Yeah, but then <laughs> she says, "Down on my knees, I'm falling for you. You've opened my gates." But on screen, she just spreads her lates, and uh, she says, showed me the truth. I'm wow. born again, feeling renewed. You showed me my, the way I'm baptized in you. <laughs> you think? That's pretty good lyrics, <laughs> right? Yeah, that sounds and sacrilegious. And we're going to have s sexy nuns dancing around oh, and all awesome. this stuff. That sounds I, awesome. I don't know. For the rest of the movie, I just want the song in the movie. I don't give a fuck about anything else. <laughs> I figure we can try to reboot her career for the 20th time. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I, I, remember how Owen Wilson had some stuff with her in Anaconda? Sure. Let's sure. let's throw him in here as a divorced, divorced dad who's okay. over his head. And she's famous or something. I don't know. Can, can Owen Wilson... <laughs> Can Owen Wilson have a half black daughter? Is that possible? Why not? We got to hit 2021, all and we got to hit all the quadrants on this movie. Yeah, in order to yeah, we got Latin X, right? Sure. That's how you say that, right? Yeah. Sure. Latin X. We get the blacks. We get the whites. Sure. sure, it's all good. Everything's in there. Any Indians or disabled? We got to throw them in there too. Uh, be... Yeah, we'll have a, a girl and some crutches. Dancing with Jennifer Lopez or something. Great, great. Sounds like a great movie, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just bought the rights on eBay for this graphic novel called Marry Me. We'll just great. frame this. We'll get this church song in there, and it'll be great. great. Maybe we can just write it all off if this movie fails. I mean, there's yeah. no way. Can, I mean, I think the J-Lo still got some pull at the box office, right? <sighs> I mean, what is she, 52? Yeah, 52, know. yeah. Uh, she's got a name at least. Sure. Yeah, it's great. Fuck it. Great. I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> so goddamn depressed. I've just been zooming all day. Uh, you try not wanna, to stick that gun I in your mouth. Fucking, yeah. Put the gun down, man. You know, just put I, it down. We're gonna make right. money off of this. Trust you me. Know, I, I don't need. I don't need the gun. Uh, there's a bridge next to my house. It's fine. <laughs> fuck it. The water under the Brooklyn Bridge is fucking cold, man. Stay away all from All right, me. all right, all right. Well, we're going to make this movie. We're going to make some money. Do it the right way. Money, jump off the Verrazano like an adult. Don't yeah, jump off the money, Bridge. Money buys 
by his happiness, right? Yeah, at least temporarily. Right. You'll be fine. Okay. All right. Great. You Great. know what? I'll get some money and I'll buy a bunch of cocaine and everything will be good. <laughs> okay. Maybe you should switch to ketamine and mushrooms and that'll help yeah. you out with You know, I've heard, I've heard things about those. It's good stuff. All right. All right. Yeah. We're making yeah. this movie. Wait, what movie yeah, are we making again? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Marry Me by this guy, graphic novel. J Lo spreading great. legs, singing okay. about church. Oh, okay, okay, spreading legs. Yeah. Okay, okay, great, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. All right, <clears throat> so Paul, straight off the bat, uh, <laughs> what? Give me your, give me your honest opinion. Your, your first reaction to this brand new movie. Tell uh, me. Well, okay, the trailer was that sold me on this movie. The trailer, <laughs> just the premise. I was like, oh, man, we got to do this movie. I just knew immediately. And it did not disappoint in being a terrible movie. It's just, <laughs> it's got some great lines. I mean, I don't know who the fuck wrote the songs, but they are awful. Yeah, they're awful. Yeah. <laughs> I think J-Lo may have actually written the songs. They didn't actually pay attention to the I, uh, I watched. I watched the, the credits. credits at it, the was, end. it was some white guy, some Jewish white guy or something that wrote all the Jesus. lyrics. Jesus, all right. Um but uh, yeah, no, I watched it with Jill, my wife. It was our tenth wedding anniversary, not wedding, tenth overall anniversary. Because sure, sure, this is how our relationship has devolved, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> now she is a good sport, but it's funny. She is watching it, and she could predict the lines like. Almost half of them, like the big, like, moments when the music's does. swelling and it's trying to get you to feel anything, to care about anything. And she's like, oh, he's going to say, marry me. And then the next sign is going to be again. She's like, I do it. I do it. <laughs> she predicted like half the lines. I'm like, I don't know what kind of movies you've been watching, but all right. <laughs> this is, uh, you know what kind of movies she's been watching. Yeah. She gave up on uh, on I Saw the Devil. So, you know, if you're giving yeah. up on that, you know, there's not a whole lot of options. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's not you my know, kind of movie. Tell me, was... tell me that you could predict anything that happened in I Saw the Devil. Anything. No, no. no. That, was, that, was off the, that was off the chain, man. That was a crazy movie. <laughs> it's a great movie, man. Fucking love that film. But this movie, I however, could, I fucking hate it. Tell, I could tell that this movie was not written for someone like me. It was written for someone who, who just wants who to feel is good. The demographic about of this movie. I, see, I feel like it's aimed at your divorced men with children because it's like really dream come true. Hmm. Like you know, you got sexy J Lo. Yeah, because they're definitely not fuck. pitching. From the uh, the sexy man perspective, that he's like a yeah. hot dad with a kid, you know, they're definitely not capitalizing. Well, I, apparently, apparently, women like strong father figures or something. Jill told me this. Maybe that's just her. I don't know. I mean, I really a lot that goes haven't that noticed. I mean, I have noticed when I'm taking my child out in the park, like women are willing to talk to me, which was never the case <laughs> before a child. When you were single. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know maybe there's something to that yeah but i think yeah. it's the divorced man single father like fantasy movie yeah even okay. though uh, i mean i i would argue that it's the 
30 something divorced woman movie that it's like oh there's still hope out there for me that i can find a nice guy and blah 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 blah, blah. i feel like that's what yeah. it is maybe it's maybe just 40 for, something even yeah maybe it's just for divorced people and it's <laughs> because I mean, even j-lo goes on that like me. big fucking thing about like oh you know 52 percent of marriages actually work out and then he starts talking about like fourth marriages and fifth marriages and where the fuck did he come up that all of a sudden she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm on, you're my fourth marriage. Like, where the <laughs> fuck did that come up? <laughs> just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I feel like either the writing is too smart and it's it's like satire of the whole pop star thing, thing or just satire of J-Lo and she doesn't know it. They're just making yeah, fun of her making fun in of the her. writing room. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many times she's been married, but. I it's think it's four, magic. actually. Yeah, I want to yeah. say because it was like she was married meta. to Mark Anthony, and then she was married to one of her backup dancers. I want to say, and then I don't remember who else she's been married. I, she wasn't. She wasn't married to Ben Affleck. I don't think. No. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Right. Why yeah. should? Here all right, look. Why? Why? Pulled why in, I, it pulls you in, game. Why should <laughs> I know this information, Paul? Why should I, I know this? Know. I don't know. Why yeah, should I know? You do. You just like absorbed it. Look, I'm just going to say something for the record here, okay? Like, this shit about Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox. Why the fuck do I need to know that? Why the fuck uh, is this in my subconscious? I don't give I a don't shit know. about either one of them, but I am so bombarded every day by the fucking news alerts on my phone or some shit on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram. Not Facebook. I don't use Facebook anymore. But on Instagram or whatever that I knew the Machine Gun Kelly and fucking Megan Fox got married. But... I don't give a shit about either one of these people. Why the fuck should I know this? Why is it in my head? Why the fuck is this happening? I hate this. I hate the algorithm, man. I hate it. <laughs> Bullshit. Anyway, um, what would you give this movie from your gut rating out of 10 stars, Paul? That's my real question here. It's, uh, I would say two or three stars, I suppose. <laughs> Pretty low. Pretty low. Oh, man. They like use this wide angle lens that distorts everything in like the outer like so quarter of the frame. I was and just noticing that for the majority off, of it, man. It, it is a wide angle lens, but it's also that they're shooting with real anamorphic lenses on this, and the anamorphic lenses have a distortion factor to it. But yeah. the DP has no idea how to implement yeah. using wide angle you can't, lenses. You can't pan. You cannot pan. Yeah, with it those distorts lenses. the it's, shit out of everything. Yeah. I don't know what series he's using. They look like they almost look like old hawk anamorphics by the way that they like blur the outside edges especially like in the corners it's almost like it's vignetting but it's not it's just fucking blurring because of the way that the yeah. lens is shaped but like it's really weird and i remember that was like one of the first things that i noticed about this movie i was just like what the hell is the dp doing with this lens man <laughs> confused by I don't it know. And this is not that movie to shoot that shit with. You know what I'm saying? Like, just fucking shoot spherical and crop, for Christ's sake, like everybody else. <laughs> like, just, this is not the movie to be all artsy with your hawk anamorphics, asshole. Anyway, so jumping into this right away, Paul. So starting a movie by filling the cinemascope aspect ratio with three live stream videos of J-Lo being a fictional version of herself and performing on Instagram is not a great way of starting out this movie. Like, it's definitely not something I wanted to see. But Cat Valdez... You got to appeal to the kids. 
Cat Valdez. Like, wow. Someone worked really hard on the name for her analog. Huh? They're like, wow, okay. <laughs> like, seriously. This is so fucking bad. But what? But she's still from Puerto Rico, right? Uh, I don't think they actually mention where she's oh. from. But, I mean, uh, J-Lo isn't from Puerto Rico. Like, she was raised in the Bronx. Like, you know, she's Jenny from the block. Oh, you know what I did? I went back and watched the uh, the J-Lo Tacos episode of South Park right after <laughs> I watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> taco, taco, burrito, burrito. Taco, yeah, taco. yeah. Oh, God. That's such a good yeah. episode. Sorry. So I'm just getting things confused now. Oh, uh, when okay. Cartman is like uh, jerking off fucking Ben Affleck, and he's like, "Ah, oh, Ben Affleck splooge." Oh my god, that show is really fucked up, man. Anyway, okay, so what is the Paul? This is the the biggest problem they have in this movie. Like, what is the core thing keeping me in the seat as I see this super rich and super pampered woman talking about her twenty thousand stone dress? and holding her multi-million dollar necklace that she was gifted while sitting in her ivory tower would knock off Jason Derulo fiance. I, I don't know. I asked myself that same question because I'm like sitting there, they set up the premise where they're now married and then I'm like, wait, where's the conflict? I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, I don't care. And about then sure enough, they had to like invent some conflict down the road for... Yeah. This is the same problem that I had with the TV show Girls. Like, what is the common thread that I can hold on to so that I can feel these people struggle? Like, in Girls, it's like these girls that are like products of like super rich daddies that put them through great grad schools and then they got on the other side and they live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is like a fucking super fancy <laughs> area. And like, if you watch that TV show Girls, you would be under the impression that black people don't exist in New York. Like, it's a majority of just yeah. white people around all the time. And I'm like, what the motherfuck? But beyond that, I'm like, these people are just super privileged girls that have super rich daddies that are paying for, like, these massive apartments that are super beautiful in Williamsburg. And they're like, oh, what do I do with my life? I don't know what to do with my life. And I'm like... Why the fuck should I give a shit? And why did this go on for five seasons, man? But beyond that, like... Wait, are, are how we... many seasons did you watch? I watched two episodes of the uh, first uh, season. I was like, uh, fuck this. I can't do this. Like, I just can't. But, dude, I just don't understand why I'm watching this movie with these overprivileged pieces of shit. Like, there's nothing for me to connect to. I just don't give a fuck about these people. I'm sorry, J-Lo. You're not Jenny from the block anymore. You haven't been Jenny from the block <laughs> in 30 years. But anyway, we cut but back don't to... Don't you feel bad for her that she got fuck left no. on the altar? Oh, fuck okay. no. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to that point. We're just getting oh. into this. Okay. But we we cut to Owen Dick Nose Wilson, and of course, he has a multiracial daughter, and he's living in Brooklyn in a very large and expensive-looking bare brick-walled place. <laughs> I like, was wondering how, how a teacher could possibly afford that I place. don't know, dude, and he's supposed to live in Brooklyn Heights, which is right by the water, and he, like, walks to his fucking daughter's school every day. I'm like, there's no way. No way that a teacher can afford this in Brooklyn. I don't give a shit. What the fuck? But seriously, does this make him more relatable that he's in this, like, super expensive-looking brick-fucking-walled place? <laughs> like, this is not how most people in Brooklyn live. Like, seriously, if you know anything about Brooklyn, you know that a majority of the population does not live like this. 
In, in New York, period. What? I thought everyone had giant loft apartments. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what everybody strives for. But nine times out of ten, it's a fucking huh. shitty drywalled apartment that you're staring at a brick wall. That's... <laughs> You can't you can't open the oven all the way because it hits the refrigerator. <laughs> or you yeah. can't get into the toilet properly because you gotta turn sideways in order to get past the sink. <laughs> anyway, what is what is super troubling to me is that as we cut to a two shot of him handing his daughter her backpack in this opening scene when we first meet him, he's giving her a backpack after he makes her her fucking lunch. There's a goddamn boom mic in the shot, uh, dude. Like right above so Dick Nose. Right above Nick Dick Nose, there's a fucking <laughs> dead cat hanging out there. I'm like, come on, man. Come on. Seriously, that was your best take? That was your best take? <laughs> How did the fucking editor lose that? Oh, and how does Owen Wilson afford his place on a teacher's salary? Like we said, he's a middle school math teacher. How does he afford this? But Owen Wilson keeps a young girl after class in the next scene to talk about his daughter and begins prying about his ex-wife's new husband, David, and how he is threatened by David moving in as a cool stepdad to his daughter and blah, 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 which they drop completely after this scene. <laughs> yeah, completely yeah. it's gone. But we cut to former star Sarah Silverman and Owen Wilson spying on his daughter, talking to her friends. But where the fuck has Owen or has Sarah Silverman been? Like I know that we just talked about this in the opening, but she was like everywhere back in the day in the early two thousand, and she was like nowhere all at once. It was just like overnight, all of a sudden, like as soon as her show dried up, it was like where the fuck did she go? Where's where's Sarah Silverman these days? But we cut back to J-Lo getting a full body massage while looping her own music video on multiple TV screens <laughs> behind her. Yeah, I never got that. In this movie, she's like sitting, like doing yoga or getting massages. And there's TVs everywhere. Like, who does that? Apparently, who rich ass J-Lo. Watching her own CNN shit. in the back or whatever the fuck. No one does that. I don't know. Fuck. But her jerk off fiance, Bastion, shows up about... And talks about Instagram, etc. But as we cut to the medium of J-Lo, I'm reminded. J-Lo flies in the same eyebrow artist for the last 20 years wherever she is and pays her artist $30,000 every time that she gets her eyebrows done. Because children's uh, cancer research isn't as important as J-Lo <laughs> getting her eyebrows shaped, apparently. But as they continue talking, she reveals that her uh, that this is her own apartment. So she so this begs two questions from me. One, who has a room like this for massages that has nine TVs tiled on the wall <laughs> to display their own music video? And two, what is so relatable about this female love interest? Like that she's rich. What is what is the fucking point exactly of this fucking <laughs> movie? We're sitting there, and for a majority of it, I'm just taken out because I'm just like, I don't care about this rich person. Like, I just Will don't they, care. Won't they? Will they? Won't they? That's what's it. important. This is that That's tabloid bullshit <laughs> that we watch on like Us Weekly every week at the newsstand yeah. when you go to check out. It's fucking ridiculous. But when she hangs up on her FaceTime with knockoff Jason Derulo, we see her call log. All of which are FaceTime TM calls to everyone. Who the fuck FaceTimes that much? And how does everyone in her phone have an iPod? Oh, wait, never mind. That's advertising, Paul. This movie is full of fucking advertising. Uh, yeah. 
that's why when she flips her phone over at the end of the scene, that the edit point of her putting the phone down is a few frames too long because it wants to focus <laughs> on the fucking Apple logo on the back of the phone. It doesn't matter that Apple has 80% of the cell phone market cornered. They just still have to fucking advertise. You know that, you know that Apple, 70% of their sales every year come from selling fucking iPhones? 70%. Yeah, it's not even the fucking computers anymore. It's just fucking yeah, that's iPhones. What they do, yeah. Like who and they sell you on this idea that you need to get a new iPhone every year? Like you're <laughs> polluting the god there are literally I had to explain this to somebody the other day that there are literal fucking suicide nets around Apple plants in China to keep people from killing themselves rather than working for Apple. <laughs> that's how fucked up it is. But like God damn, Apple just needs to still advertise more. Whatever. Don't sue me, Apple. We cut back to Brooklyn with Owen and his daughter and him reminiscing about being married to his daughter's mom with the photo album and shit, which if you look at the photo, this is once again goddamn shitty prop work in this photo. Dude, this movie is so full of shitty prop work, it's insane. They are clearly, in this photo of them parasailing, they are clearly lit against a green screen in this photo and the lighting is fucked. Like, really <laughs> fucked in this photo. It's a good thing they don't go in for the close-up on it because it's like there's this weird halo thing and it feels like he's cut out because it's soft on one side yeah. and i'm like he's outside like how is there soft light? <laughs> but you know what would would have hit would have would have been better than owen wilson paul in this movie is his What's more that? talented brother luke in this same role <laughs> i would have actually bought that his brother luke wilson could actually get together with fucking j-lo that's just a straight up fact but we cut back to J-Lo looking sexy again in her super luxurious tub. Is this blatant flaunting of her wealth appealing to anyone? Like, for real. Like, I know it's because she has all this money in the world, but she isn't happy, etc., etc. But fucking Jesus. Enough already. Like, she doesn't just need to keep throwing around all these images of her in her fucking literal ivory tower in a fucking bathroom. She, it's weird. All she does is, like, relax and sit. Yeah. And relaxing poses. J-Lo has a hard life. You didn't get this in this movie. She has a hard life, man. The worst experience that she ever had to go through is sitting in coach without a fucking winter jacket in order to get to Peoria, Illinois. Anyway, so Jolo or J-Lo watches Jimmy Fallon and he tries desperately to be funny. I'm sorry, Jimmy Fallon. You're not funny, bro. Like yeah. But the first seeds are planted that she is truly unhappy with the size of this wedding because Jimmy Fallon is making fun of her Instagram following. Like, what a relatable struggle, right, Paul? Like, don't you stay up at night struggling with Jimmy Fallon making fun of you on late night television? That's tough. I know. It's really hard when he makes those jokes about you and you're just like, damn it, man. All I'm trying to do is be a normal person with these 83 million followers. That's all I'm trying to do, man. But, you know, we cut back to J-Lo on her wedding day wearing what appears to be a semen-stained Wookiee pelt, which I was confused by, and somehow her <laughs> friend thinks that it looks beautiful. Did you look at that goddamn garment, dude? It literally looks oh, like man. she's wearing she... this jumpsuit that is splooged on by Chewbacca. I'm, I don't get it. <laughs> dude, this whole yeah, movie comes off as, like, this music video of, yeah. like... 
her like fucking style and shit. It's just like this extravagant over usage of like, let's put J Lo in as many cool outfits as we can and let's she, make all these fucking music videos. I swear she changes outfits whenever she walks into a new room, even yeah. if it's in her own apartment. Yeah. It's crazy, Where dude. I don't, <laughs> oh my god. But the setup is is that Sarah Silverman's girlfriend dumps her and she has two extra tickets to Kat Von Lopez's show. So obviously they should all go together, right? Like her, his daughter, and Owen Wilson. But we cut to J-Lo uh, like fucking sitting alone in a nude bodysuit that would be qualified as blasphemous in middle America, like complete with slutty nuns and her crucifix hiding her bits and pieces. It recalls, dude, you know what? All I could think of, all I could think of when I was watching this goddamn sequence was I was thinking about Bad Lieutenant for some reason. And I have no idea why it popped into my head. Maybe it's the nuns. I, I don't yeah. know, but it like it popped into my head and I couldn't get it out of my head if it's bad lieutenant. Hopefully most people haven't seen Bad Lieutenant, so they can <laughs> get a different image in their head there. <laughs> but I'm not sure exactly why, but apparently we needed to see the entirety of J-Lo's song, Church, where she just has to chant it three dozen times. Church, 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 because this is the world of music these days. There's like this thing that I saw, I don't remember what it was, but it was like this thing online talking about Justin Bieber's song, Baby, and how he says the word baby like 185 times in that song, and it's a majority of the fucking song, is him just saying the word baby, and I'm like, is this what we're paying people literal millions of dollars to do? Is just say the same word over and over and over again? Yeah, see, this is where I'm like, is this... Are they making fun of pop music with all these sequences, or is it? I don't it, know, dude. They I legitimately think that they're trying to be legitimate about it. This is superstar material right here. I think it's legitimate. I don't think uh, that they're. Yeah, I, yeah. But I think that the tragedy of it is, is that J Lo and everybody else involved doesn't realize that it's so goddamn <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Anyway, J-Lo calls out Bastion to perform, and he lays on the Pitbull slash Jason Derulo shit a little too thick in the scene, but everyone keeps stare staring at their phones as the <laughs> extravagant pieces for the wedding are being in put in place because, of course, the Latino boyfriend is cheating on his hot-ass J-Lo with her assistant. Yeah. Gasp! Oh my god, because we all know how those Latino pop stars are. And don't fucking come at me about this first. If you don't know who I am, like, I'm a Latino man. I can talk all the shit that I want because this is some racist-ass bullshit. Alright? This is some really no, racist- I, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh... The Latino guy, he's going to cheat on his wife or his yeah. fiance. It's like, how uh, unfortunate. Everyone I knows mean, that's going to happen. Everyone right? knows that that's what <laughs> Latinos do. And again, don't fucking come at me, you asshole. But <laughs> anyway, so J-Lo gets ferried up to the stage and freezes, telling the music to freeze as she sees this video. But J-Lo stops the show to address the video that she just saw, and she monologues on the meaning of love and that she got caught up in life and didn't see the lie that is love. 
Remember Benefer Paul and that whole fallout <laughs> the, that fucking pervaded our culture? Like our cultural subconscious was pervaded by that, regardless of the fact that none of us wanted to know any of that shit, nor gave a fuck. But for like nine months on every cover of every magazine, it was like Benefer, together or not, together or not. I'm like, who gives a shit? And you know what the end product of all that was, Paul? Was the movie Gigli. So remember that, all right? <laughs> Fuck. I think I but died a little bit. I actually. died too when I watched that movie again for yeah. a second time. But she looks around in the crowd and somehow Owen Wilson is not only the only one not holding his phone, but also he is the only one that is making eye contact and holding a sign that says marry me. And lo and behold her different choice is marrying him on a whim because Beckdale test. And apparently because Owen's weird ass nose is so attractive to her that that's what gets her off. But Instagram, Instagram floods our screen again in triplicate as she forces this strange man to marry her, even though they most definitely did not file a marriage license for this and knock off Jason, Jason Derulo and her most certainly did. But whatever. She leans in. So when he says, when the, when the fucking officiant says, like, by the power invested in me, you're now a man and wife, that's not true because they didn't file a fucking marriage <laughs> license. But she leans in for a kiss and the world stops and the silence grows in. He is her, he is her one and a true love. We know this. Her one and only true love. Backstage, Jason Derulo gets aggressive and tries to attack Owen Wilson as they pile into a fucking oh. Lexus SUV. Oh, wait. Advertising. Because somebody yeah. like J-Lo would be driving around in a $60,000 SUV <laughs> from Lexus. Like, come on. Get right. the fuck out of here. But in the limo, I mean, not the limo, the modestly priced SUV, they swap loads about the emotional nature of the night, and Owen Wilson, being a great dad that he is, has left his child with a co-worker. <laughs> great parenting, dad. Great parenting. <laughs> but they, they arrive at her apartment as she unstuffs herself from the SUV and goes inside telling him that he should go home. He gets a phone call on his flip phone. Like, what goddamn year is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. He wouldn't have a flip phone. I was but, like, what's... They got married. I mean, he didn't even go up to her apartment. I mean, who who gets married and doesn't have a wedding night? I mean... Come on. I mean, how was she expecting him to be such a decent person at that moment? He could have been right. like, you owe me, bitch. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It could be like some really fucked up shit. This could have gone dark real quick in this scene. Uh, but Sarah's a different, probably more interesting movie. Sure. You know? Yeah, it would have been. Dude, all right. I'm going to get to it in a second, but I got a question <laughs> about Lost Highway, but I'll get to it in a second. So. <laughs> Sarah Sarah Silverman tells him that he is everywhere, much to his surprise, but how is he surprised? He married a superstar as a nobody on live television and the internet, and he's actually surprised that he is all over the news? Like, she must find his stupidity enormously charming or something, I guess. But she sits in front of the TV, listening to Fallon, Do making fun of her again. you ever a math teacher? Yeah, like my that. wife's a fucking math teacher, dude. <laughs> A lot but of them she, are, they have their heads somewhere else. Not yeah. up their ass like yeah. this well, motherfucker. <laughs> 
But anyway, she she sits in front of her TV listening to Fallon making fun of her again, and she cries in the arms of her manager, who always wears a suit two sizes too small. I'm sorry whoever the wardrobe supervisor was on this, but like, seriously, he is in a suit that is too small, and when he buttons it, you can see it, alright? I know that he lost a lot of weight, and I know it's something that should be celebrated, but like, put the man in a fucking suit that actually fits. Don't stuff him into that shit, dude. But the next morning, J-Lo does yoga, but thank fuck we don't have to hear her say gobble gobble this time like we did in the previous <laughs> time we saw her play fucking yoga. But as she yogas, her manager pitches paying off Owen Wilson with $5,000 and let it blow over. So she retorts with maybe she will just stay married to him, which is comedic in concept, but if this is a legal marriage with the manager... I'm sorry, if this is a legal marriage like the manager seems to think it is, despite the lack of the marriage license and the application and the witness signature, wouldn't Owen know that she is worth millions and not take $5,000? Like, maybe he would just sue in divorce court (laughs) and take at least a few million. Like, what the fuck? Seriously. But manager, of course, thinks that this is insane and uh, brings up that they don't, they didn't file any of the papers, and she tells him to file the papers anyway. But she goes on to say it's only for a few months to reclaim her narrative and not be <laughs> Jerkoff's punchline, blah, 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 blah. But this, again, is a woman whose only defining quality is that she needs a man to define her femininity and her fucking autonomy. But Talk manager- about bad decisions, like... Last minute revenge marriage. Sure, like, I know. Yeah, I don't know. It's That's some bad worst, decision. Worst decision you could make, right there. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a whole thing to say about the ex-wife here in a second because I don't understand why they <laughs> never went into that. But manager goes on to talk to Owen Wilson and tells him the cat is a legend. That her dad died before she was famous when she was really young, aka daddy issues, aka Beckdale test oh. fail again, and that Owen has to help her by being her husband for three months to help her get over this pu- uh, publicity faux pas and only ten grand in compensation. But Sarah Silverman chimes in with that cat could just pay to build a math wing on the school that he teaches in because that makes sense but side note while he conveniently only brings up his daughter when it makes him look sympathetic wouldn't this be grounds for mom to file for full custody like clearly he is impulsive (laughs) and shouldn't be allowed to care for the child he like married a complete stranger on live television this is complete grounds to get full custody like I'm just asking, seriously. Left his daughter in a weird At audience. At a fucking concert of, yeah. with a fucking coworker. These are great grounds to fight. He's not a good dad. <laughs> but also, this time there is a dude who is filming Cat all the time on handheld. But I'm not sure why we never see this footage up until this point. It's just always he's always there. He's creepy as shit, and like. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on with this. She's like, oh, he's filing it away for like, you know, later episodes or whatever, like on YouTube, I guess. Like, is this, is this something that like Gen Z watches that I don't know yeah. about? Like, what the fuck is happening? Every, just record every moment of your life and put it on yeah. YouTube. Someone will watch sure. it. Fuck sure. It. But we see JLo's daily schedule with her Uh, doing vitamin ads for Instagram and taking selfies and while Owen makes reference that he doesn't like her whole distorted reality and that everything is sponsored he still goes along with this for what a math wing like doesn't that make him a (laughs) prostitute if he's selling out his moral value for this I mean sometimes you gotta work the streets a little bit you know 
sure. Sell yeah. it. Walk Sell up and it. down. You got to turn a trick or two if you're going to get through this life. <laughs> yeah. But we see J-Lo's daily... Sk- I'm sorry. Uh, they hold a press conference and Owen waxes cute and cheesy and wins over the reporter pool. All this brings to light that this is not news. Why the fuck is there a room full of reporters larger than the press room at the White House in this scene? Why is this a fucking thing? <laughs> Because well, our uh, our country has a disease, a very celebrity. malignant disease, <laughs> yeah, of celebrity, yeah. But one of the reporters makes fun of that Owen was married once before, and J Lo does bring up the inequality of the situation in women being married. It's all on the man's terms, and instead, maybe we shouldn't shit on women by waiting for men to propose and waiting on the man to commit. But, like, that women should just pick the guy, marry him, and make him earn the right to stay while she keeps her last name. And you know what? <laughs> to be honest, Paul, I actually agree with some of this. Like, the patriarchal system established to own women is offensive and antiquated at the very least, and abusive and destructive at its worst. But, like, it's she she was, like, halfway there, but this movie, like, completely uh, undermines anything that she was going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fucks it all she up. She does propose to him. In the end, though, so she does yeah. follow through with that at least. Sure, sure, but I mean, but I to, mean, she has all the money and the power, and she could buy and sell a million times over, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but this is going to get into the whole cuck thing, which I'll get to later with <laughs> Owen Wilson. But to this, she gets thunderous applause as they leave the parking garage. The camera guy is leading her again. Like, but what the fuck is he there for? He's standing there, like, leading her out into the parking garage. I'm like, why does he always have this fucking camera on her? We never see the footage being posted anywhere. Plus, you got social media manager there, like, her friend, like, with the phone, like, posting shit, too. Is this what it's like being a celebrity? Because I feel like this is the reason why celebrities have drug habits and end up eventually, like, (laughs) hurting themselves or blowing their fucking brains out, you know? But they swap loads again as the two Lexuses sit atop a parking garage that has a ton of Bentleys on it for some reason. And she (laughs) says that she is jet-setting the London for a meeting and that he is headed to Flatbush for a dog. But why does she need to fly to London for a meeting? This is more of a carbon emissions thing combined (laughs) with my previous point of what there is to like about her. Like... Hasn't she She's ever just seen her eyebrows done? Hasn't uh, she ever heard of Zoom? Shopping. She doesn't need to fucking go to London to go to a meeting. It's a seven-hour flight to London. This is the middle of the day. She's gonna get sh- there. <laughs> She's gonna get there past the interna- international dateline time change. Like, when is her goddamn meeting? Is she gonna show up the next day, fucking hungover, yeah. being tired and jet lagged, and go to a fucking meeting? Me, no, she- no, she doesn't. She doesn't do that. She just shows up, and it's like. Four o'clock in the morning, and all of the the people she's meeting with have to go on her her time right, schedule. Sure, which right, is like because 3 PM. she's the one making the money. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> but anyway, so he takes a dog outside, and it is very obvious that his house is way too expensive for a teacher <laughs> to own, and that it is way too nice to be anywhere near Flatbush, where he supposedly lives. 
But anyway, his daughter Lou tells him that his ex, of course, wants to meet Cat, and then they drop this whole goddamn thing too. They're like, "Oh, well, maybe they're going to introduce." Oh, never mind. They're not going to nope. introduce that at yeah. all. Like, so why even bring it up? A, they could have had some interesting conflict with the ex-wife getting like Dude, weird. She shows stuff. up for one scene and disappears. She doesn't even have a yeah. fucking line. She just like picks up her daughter and walks away. And I'm like, what the fuck? But, dude, we cut to cat, manager, and weird camera guy bowling, and in it, she cons him into believing that she has no idea how to bowl, only to show him a perfect strike. But as we cut to her social media manager her doing an Instagram not that live good, video... So I think she just got lucky. Lucky, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we cut to her social media manager doing an Instagram live video, and she says, 237,000 people are watching it. But the graphic on the screen says that 200,400 people are watching it. But I guess that's why she isn't a mathematician. And she's a fucking social media manager. She can't read a goddamn screen. But well, Owen, I mean, those, again, shitty prop work. <laughs> shitty prop work, bro. Come on. But Owen says that he needs to get home and J-Lo joins him, along with creepy film guy. And all I can think of, is this going to be a porno shoot now? Like he's going to start recording the den of the penetration? Is that what he's there for? But he makes some shitty puns and J-Lo realizes the creepy guy, or I'm sorry, releases the creepy guy from the night before, blah, 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 blah. And as J-Lo sees pictures of his daughter on the counter, she asks, oh, is this your daughter? I should hope so. What is he going to say? No, that's just some random 12-year-old girl that I have in all the pictures in my apartment for no reason. That's a very different movie. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. What a stupid line. <laughs> is this your daughter? Fuck out of here with that bullshit. But they talk for a minute and J-Lo digs up about his ex-wife and why they got divorced, all because he said that his ex-wife didn't want to be with him anymore with no follow-up questions, like, mm. at all. She just accepts this on face value. Like, I'm curious if it was because of that nose or his monotone voice, <laughs> or maybe it's that he has an early 2000s beta cuck soy boy <laughs> haircut, which I don't know what the fuck... What is going on with his hair these days, dude? What the fuck is that? I've never it's seen anybody... It's probably same thinning thing. out, and he has to do the... It's the only way he can hold on to it. Yeah. Dude, could you imagine Owen Wilson with a bald head? That shit would be creepy as shit. <laughs> <sighs> anyway... She reveals that she has been married four times now, and they go on for a walk. They go for a walk in his neighborhood that is extremely empty, considering that, nice. that it's a Brooklyn street. And beyond <laughs> that, no one recognizes or sees her. Like, how is she just wandering around as a superstar in Brooklyn on a fucking street in a fairly decent neighborhood, but also at a decent time? He's not out at one in the morning. He's like, this is like eight p.m. maybe, and nobody's seeing her or recognizing her. But anyway, the next day we cut back and forth between the day of the life of each of them during a montage. And while J-Lo sings over her montage, an overly moderated auto-tune song is playing. <laughs> is is oh she at God. that point in her career, Paul, that she has the auto-tune? I don't even know if I've ever heard her sing for real. Mm. I mean, but, in the early 90s when she started, like yeah, she had the voice. It was all there, but like... I don't know at the age of 52 if she has to auto-tune or this is like, this is what's qualified just as pop music part, these days. Yeah, maybe it's just pop music. I have, I don't recall hearing a song that wasn't auto-tuned for a long time, so. Yeah. 
But anyway, we cut we cut back to the school and finally see mom. At least this cast is a little bit diverse. If if only the only speaking roles in this movie weren't relegated to an almost entirely white cast, minus J Lo and the daughter Lou and fucking Bastion. Literally, dude, if you watch this movie, ninety nine percent of the characters that are people of color only have one line. Or they don't speak at all. Literally 90% of the dialogue comes from white people only, other than J-Lo and Lou. And I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you sure you have a diverse cast, but none of them are saying anything. You're just like breezing past all of them like fucking scenery. And then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, we fought. We, uh, we, we, we checked all of our boxes for the EEO. And so we can pretend like we're a good organization, even though we're not, but whatever. Yeah. But we cut to a red carpet where Bastion runs into them and invites JLo back to PR in Spanish. And somehow no one on the red carpet can hear this. The reporters that are right there, the people with the microphones, no one can hear what he's saying. There's got to be somebody there that speaks Spanish. And everybody's like, what did you say? What did you say? I didn't hear that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Are you serious, dude? Like, there's videos all over the Internet of a star, like, on a red carpet saying some stupid shit under their breath. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Did you hear that? And I'm like, oh, only now are we not hearing it. Okay. Yeah, because, because the movie doesn't need it. Okay. But we see more montage of them falling in love, her on tour, and him teaching the most diverse class that I've ever seen in Brooklyn Heights. <laughs> Seriously, they they not only have people of color, but they also have different genders, but they yeah. even have a disabled girl in a wheelchair. Again, kudos to the filmmakers here, but this is not how vastly gentrified areas of Brooklyn, <laughs> like Brooklyn Heights, look, which is the real problem here. Like, take note, New York. of Brooklyn is black and only 5.5% of Brooklyn Heights is black. Just saying that's on purpose. That's not because it just happened to be that way. White people gentrify areas and actively run out people of color. Look it up, motherfucker. It's been happening for 30 (sighs) years. Yeah, do that right now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just sitting here in my in my house and I'm uh, I'm actively gentrifying. It's pretty crazy, right? Alright, look. <laughs> I gotta go into this for a second because it's a real thing. When I when I do say that white people moving into black neighborhoods causes gentrification, that's only partially true. White people have more than a, every right to move into a black neighborhood if they want. The problem is is that gentrification is a is a fucking economical thing and so white people oftentimes end up going back to their grocery store that they always went to or their bar that they always went to or whatever that's outside of the black neighborhood that they were living in at the time so as a result any money that was within the neighborhood is now leaving the neighborhood and so when that happens enough and enough white people come in and they're moving and they're going to different places to spend their money rather than the local businesses that are there, those businesses shut down and then they bring in a fucking Starbucks yeah. or a fucking like fancy ass thing. I'm, I'm really worried. Like. <laughs> I'm worried that my local bodega is going to be turned into a juice bar or something because <laughs> they he, he had this parking lot that he fenced off and they would store food trucks and I guess they'd pay him like a little monthly stipend but he tore it out of the fence so I'm worried that they're going to like tear it down and turn it oh, into some God. white person shit 
Yeah. I really hope not, but... Uh, It'll be hot yoga or Pilates or juice yeah, bar or something here, like here that. Here comes the neighborhood. <laughs> For real, though. I mean, that's that's what the big uh, problem with gentrification. If you're white and you're looking about moving into a black area or a brown area, spend money at the local businesses. Support the local businesses. Keep them around. Because if you keep spending your money outside of the neighborhood, you're the fucking problem. I just gotta say, you are the problem. <laughs> Anyway, we, so we cut back to Owen Wilson's school and Kat wanders in in order to surprise him at work. And she says that she rescheduled her private concert in Japan in order to surprise him at work. But then it turns into the Cat show and all the kids talk only about Cat rather than the mathalon training that they are doing. This will come up later because they fucked this up. But she even tries to be relatable by talking about how she has been nervous before in front of a crowd and how she forgot the words to her own song at the VMA Awards because that's super relatable. You got nervous the last, you know, the last time that you performed at the VMA, the VMAs, right, Paul? And that's definitely a relatable thing that you can totally <laughs> like attach to Jennifer Lopez's character. I mean, getting nervous in front of a crowd is relatable, I suppose. So, sure, yeah. Marty, I'm coming around. I like this J Lo lady. I can see that she's a real human being. On she's the a real inside. person. Yeah, you can see it. But she, she takes even the, know to break money or an ID or a passport to fly the plane. To the fucking plane. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she she takes over his math class to such an extent to promote herself that she leads a dance class with the kids yeah. that they answer yeah. random math questions during, which is not math instruction, by the way. But I guess it's okay because she's rich and she's fun, right? Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I think this whole movie is just, the theme is, if you're rich, you can do anything you want, and it's fine. They're not wrong. I mean, fucking Robert Durst (laughs) didn't spend a day in jail, and he killed killed two people, and he never served a day in jail. But we we cut to Kat's massive apartment that she is trying to work out a melody on her grand piano on, and Lou giving her advice on solving problems, then grilling her on whether Kat actually likes her dad. They have a good genuine moment, and a bunch of coach bags all of a sudden show up (laughs) that J-Lo reveals are part of a charity that she works for. I'm not sure what charity accepts coach bags, but whatever. (laughs) I didn't get that whole part. (laughs) Here, poor starving child, have a $5,000 coach coach bag. Doesn't that make everything better that you don't know where you're going to eat tonight or that you don't have a roof over your head? You can just take this coach bag. But J-Lo removes an extension out of her hair and drops it to the ground, and Owen Wilson stomps on it like it's a dead rat in a cringeworthy moment. Like, what is this, Paul? Is this the Three Stooges? Like, when the Three Stooges, when that guy's, like, fucking toupee flies off in the court and, like, Mo pulls out the gun and shoots it. (laughs) Six times. Larry shoots it six times. That shit is funny, man. Like, Mo picks it up and he's like, You shot five holes in a divot. Like, what's the matter with you? (laughs) That shit's funny. This is not. This has no place in being in this movie. And it's such a fleeting moment that just disappears. And it doesn't give you anything in terms of the characters. Like, it doesn't expand them in any way or make them cute or relatable. Owen Wilson is telling her that she's beautiful and she doesn't need to wear all this makeup and shit to be beautiful. 
So what does she do for the rest of the movie? She wears makeup all the oh, time. She a lot of makeup. You know, yeah. She probably spends five hours a day in getting makeup done. And yeah. Somebody doing makeup for her, not her. Well, doing yeah. makeup. <laughs> but just then, Paul, her social media manager runs in and says, hey, wheels up for Puerto Rico at seven. And it forces a scene with Owen pitching her to go to a middle school dance with him rather than her running back to a man who cheated on her. So once again, the Beckdale test moment is woman chooses man who cheated on her or woman chooses man who she hijacked. <laughs> So her only worth is, again, which man she chooses and brings to a man. Great work, writers. Really, really great work here on women. But they arrive at the dance and J-Lo shows up wearing a fabulous dress that is way too revealing for a, a middle school <laughs> dance. And no one I, outside... Uh... I, no one outside the dance is mobbing her. I don't get this, man. Like, despite us establishing that she has fans at this school, nobody is walking up to her and being like, oh my god, you're Cat Valdez. Nobody's doing that. She's just fucking standing there on the sidewalk. My, my wife and I had the discussion about whether she would be allowed into the dance with her revealing dress. But it looks revealing, but I think it has skin-toned... Oh, sure. Colored fabric sure. where it actually looks revealing, but it's actually just fabric. So it's fine. <sighs> sure. <laughs> anyway, once again, Lost Highway is there in order to record everything, and JLo decides to let him off only now rather than before she went to a goddamn high school or middle school dance. Why does she drag this guy around? She knows that she's going to dismiss him before she gets there. She doesn't honestly believe that she's going to have him filming her dancing in a middle school dance. Like, that's not a thing. That's not... I don't know. What the fuck, man? But they're just going to... Like, she finally lets this lets Lost Highway go. But then this leads us to this moment where the gay teacher we saw earlier, who is, of uh, course, the glee teacher dancing. because cliche, and he holds her <laughs> hostage until she signs a picture for him because cliche, apparently all gay men love theater and pop singers. Seriously, this shit is like, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Like this, I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here as a straight male, but like, I feel like this moment is so goddamn cliche and typical <laughs> that it's like i feel like it was offensive well, for me to watch it i think i know i know three gay men well enough to know this fact but two out of the three love show tunes and pop music <laughs> so you know more than likely by those numbers <laughs> All right, of of all the gay men, of all the gay men that I know, I would say probably only 30 to 40% of the gay oh, men yeah. that I know like that sort of shit. The rest of them are like right. normal people because that's what they are, is normal people. Stop with the fucking bullshit, Hollywood. But once again, Cat can't decide or can't just take a back seat here that while she's at this fucking dance with Owen Wilson rather she decides that she needs to get up on stage and sing in front of everyone and even invites the glee teacher fanboy to sing with her as he stammers in disbelief and wouldn't you know it Paul because he is such a huge fan that he can play the melody for her song <laughs> on the fucking guitar having never practiced this before crowd <laughs> and not knowing that she was going to do this but being a glee teacher I guess prepared um, him to do this Right? Fuck off with this cliche bullshit. <laughs> 
Once again, once again, though, they walk and talk on a Brooklyn sidewalk and no one is on the yeah, sidewalk is... or is mobbing her. Like, I don't know what Brooklyn this writer has seen, but it's not maybe, the Brooklyn that I live maybe in. Maybe she right? has like a secret police that follows her around and clears blocks the off three or four like, weeks. <laughs> three or four blocks in every direction. Yeah. 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 But they go back to his place and they dance and they listen to the show tunes of Camelot that he listened to with his mother as she moves in to seduce him. And it is a very obvious thing that they are going to have sex. But isn't this whole scene a little Oedipusy, Paul? Like, it's really Oedipusy. Like, I have a real problem with this whole moment because it's just like he explained. You, know, you remind me of, your mother, of my mother. Let's have yeah. sex. Let's have sex. That's exactly <laughs> what this was. She's like, oh, I like it. And he's like, oh, you could just hear him get hard in that moment. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, what the fuck? But the next morning we awaken to what looks like a dom the Domino Sugar Factory building in Williamsburg, but we somehow can see the Statue of Liberty. Like, I'm not sure where he's supposed to live. Like, it's it's like this DP and the director not even, they don't even know how New York is laid out or how these things are connected. And they just, like, use these images in order to make this romantic New York living. And I'm I mean, like, where the fuck there. does he live? Can't you see the Statue of Liberty from any block in New York? Yeah, you can see it from like right. you can see it from Sunset Park or fucking Red Hook. Like it's very easy to see your Southern Manhattan. But like he was supposed to be living in Brooklyn Heights, which would mean that the the Statue of Liberty is on the other side. The buildings would be on the left of the screen, and the Statue of Liberty would be on the right. But it was reversed. So I'm like, he's not living in Manhattan. We haven't established that. Previously, they talked about him being in fucking Flatbush, which is nowhere near the water. But like. I don't know. I just live here. God damn it. Like, it's not like I know anything about how this city is laid out, but whatever. Anyway, she stands in his shirt that he was not wearing the night before, meaning that she went into his closet in order to find yeah, this shirt and so put weird. it on because this moment is cute. Right, Paul? Right? Right? Don't you right? know after having sex, when to put on your shirt? That's just the way it does. I mean, I guess, but yeah. That's not my experience, but whatever. Oh, yeah, I don't think Jill's ever worn any of my shirts either. <laughs> well, I mean, I've I've had ex-girlfriends wear shirts, but it was after like the the eighth, the ninth, the tenth time, you know, that we were like seeing each other. It wasn't the first night she wakes up <laughs> putting on my clothes. It's a little weird. But she get, she gets a call from her media manager and rearranges her schedule to accommodate Charlie slash Owen Wilson. But she doesn't hang up because of really bad prop work on her phone as they talk about his day and his dead mom. She like leans the phone towards him and she's like, "Yeah, you just heard me over, you know, rearrange my day, and it's still on the screen that has the hang up sign." And I'm like, "Is she gonna hang up the goddamn phone? Because we never see that <laughs> moment." But whatever. So she, he talk, they talk about his dead mom, which, you know, tying into the night before seems like a really awkward conversation to be having with someone who is not wearing pants at that exact moment, but <laughs> whatever. But she asked him if his mom would have liked her, and he responds that with that his mom was very self-sufficient. And in true narcissistic form, she immediately becomes defensive and claims that she is the most self-sufficient person in the planet. And he challenges her to go without her assistance for a day, and she challenges him to join social media, Snapchat, Instagram, etc., because 
quote, it's a great tool for him as a teacher, end quote. Not sure how that's true, being that he is a single <laughs> white male. He would more likely be radicalized within a few minutes of joining Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. But I digress. Those damn Democrats are coming Those damn Democrats children. are taking everything. God damn it. Trump save us. Trump save us. They're writing but, children into a pizza place. and Oh, my God. That's all social media is these days. It's insane. We cut to a giant house in the Hamptons that she can't get into because she doesn't have a key. But she does have a driver. Not sure how this is her being self-sufficient for the day, given that this guy drove her there. But she picks up a rock and smashes it through the fucking window of her own home because she's rich and doesn't have to worry about how much that yeah. costs or how wasteful it is that she just did that. And we enter in yet another montage. The whole middle of the second act is just montages. <laughs> but we enter into another montage of her trying to be self-sufficient and how seemingly charming it is that she can't dim lights, draw curtains, or make smoothies without her somehow fucking things up. Like, how is this relatable? Because it's J-Lo and it's cute to see rich people struggle with mundane tasks in their multi-million dollar homes. <laughs> what the fuck is this movie, bro? Like, seriously. How is this fucking charming or whatever? But she surprises him. She surprises him at work again. And they have cutaway sex in his class. Uh, well, well, you know, while it's yeah. cute and romantic and all, this is technically a sex crime in a school of adolescence. <laughs> Just saying. They're going to be putting yeah. jail for this kind of shit. Nothing sexy about classrooms. They just smell like Dale's lunch. Children. Children. They and, smell like yeah, children. B.O. Yeah. It's not, not sexy. Sorry. Whatever. But in, in the car, it's somehow his birthday, which we just kind of like ham-fistedly threw in there that it's his birthday all of a sudden. And she gives him a blindfold as they ride across the Brooklyn Bridge. They land at Coney Island and at the Wonder Wheel, and he asks how, to which she replies, she knows a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. But She's rich. Yeah. What? No, no, no. I mean, that, uh, that this is a pretty awesome know. birthday present. This, this, is, a, this <laughs> is a real thing. What exactly do they mean by this whole sequence? Like, sure, he shared that this was where he and his mom went, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but it's not hard to go to Coney Island if you live in Brooklyn like he supposedly does. And it's not like she needed to call someone in order to take him to Coney Island, let alone get on the fucking Wonder Wheel. This is literally is, a thing. Is Coney it's Island open like, every goddamn day. It's a fucking tourist trap, dude. Yeah, it's a tourist oh, trap. Uh, I don't understand. Maybe after hours this whole moment she, like, i don't get because i'm just like, like to keep it what clear the mother i don't get oh my god this whole <laughs> scene just pissed me off because i'm like she knows a guy that knows a guy like get the fuck out of here like this this is so stupid like she takes him to the wonder wheel wow what a grand gesture it cost you absolutely nothing in order to do that you fucking asshole the park was cleared out man i mean you can't Costs money to have a private park. You buy the guy who runs the Wonder Wheel right. a fucking dime bag of cocaine and like that. Of, <laughs> the whole park was dark and they had to turn on all the lights and all the rides at once. That's at least five people. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but they wish for each other as he makes out with her in the Wonder Wheel. But again, uh. what is going on with the whole mom memories being replaced uh, by romantic memories? Like, I'm confused by this. Uh, Get some real problems. 
But as we cut to Owen and her coaching the kids on the math mathalon, Bastion, for some reason, shows up with her whole goddamn team in order to tell her that they've been trying to reach her because she was nominated for a Grammy. The manager and her team pitched that uh, she used Bastion's upcoming streaming concert as a way of them performing Marry Me for their fans. I don't, I don't get this whole moment. <laughs> What is this, Paul? Like he's they're trying well, to they say needed, idea for was, <laughs> This is where they needed conflict in the script so they could have a climax and they could have the question, will they, won't they? That's sure. what it is. And that's the best they could come up with. This is the best that they like, could come up with. Who would would you if you were big into a fan, if you're a fan of a group or whatever, an on stage couple and you knew they got they broke up. They got divorced. Whatever. Would you buy into them singing a song about marrying no. each other? No. no. That is my yeah. worst goddamn nightmare in order to buy any of this bullshit. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. It's all I'm sorry contrived. if this kind of shit you it's actually like. If you're out there and you're listening and you actually like this kind of shit, it's all fucking contrived horse shit, whether it's this movie or whether it's the... It's just their publicists of these fucking actors and actresses, like, telling them what to do. Don't buy into the bullshit. Stop paying for the tabloids, you fuck... Like, just do something else. Anything else, dude. These people have golden fucking shark tanks and, like, all sorts of weird fucking shit that they can buy with what all the money they make, and you're just buying into their bullshit and celebrating them. It's like, oh, it's so cute. No, it's not. It's fucking pathetic, so you should just calm down and get, like, a real fucking life. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll move on now, but... <clears throat> she stammers and her and Owen talk about it that she needs to do this for some reason not sure why but she agrees and Owen is left with his dick in his hand at the end of the scene well I think there was previous talk of her always wanting a Grammy and never being nominated and so this is supposed to be her like lifelong and so dream. she needs to perform this song with her uh, ex-boyfriend uh, ex that cheated on her in order to get the Grammy yeah, it the, what really the fuck? This doesn't make any sense. What is the point of this scene? What is the point of this fucking moment? Need conflict. Yeah, but when we, it's stupid, dude. It's stupid. When we cut back to Bastion on stage telling everyone he was stupid to cheat on Cat, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and he goes on to introduce her on stage so she can sing "Marry Me" and he even calls her his family. I know the purpose of this scene, but writing it in this way and showing her being torn between career and loving Owen and that toxicity like this behavior with her ex being a positive for her career <laughs> is incredibly poisonous. Like, I can't stress that enough. Whoever the fuck wrote this should be reprimanded because like this shit is extremely toxic and they just play it off as being like oh it's just a choice it's no big deal no it's extremely fucking toxic in order to do this kind of shit i don't know why hollywood has to continually write women into these positions it's like they enjoy this kind of shit and it's incredibly oh, yeah. reductive to women and their goddamn right to their own autonomy not to mention it is incredibly manipulative as a fucking screenplay fuck the writers of this movie for this alone dude like seriously <laughs> This scene is so goddamn stupid. But he gets close to her and sings in Spanish, and she pants hard as they riff on Ma 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 marry me. Ma 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 
this is why I hate pop singing, Paul. This moment right here. But when they were doing that, when they're like, mama, 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 all I could think of was uh, was Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder going, mama, mama, mama. That's all I could think of. It's terrible. Terrible. Anyway. <laughs> Owen Wilson looks on the uh, or looks onto the laptop that his daughter and his coworker Sarah Silverman are looking at and is sad and jealous and his daughter tells him to get his ass to the garden but my question is why the fuck is Sarah Silverman at his house watching this uh, concert with his daughter in her bedroom? Like, they are co-workers <laughs> and friends, but she is always around him. Yeah, it is weird. I don't get the relationship. Whatever. Who well, am I to she's judge? She's the comic relief. You know, she needs to yeah. be there to be sassy or whatever the fuck her sure. purpose is. Yeah, uh, sure. So but he... He gets down, I'm sorry, he gets down to some rooftop bar after party, and he surprises her as Bastion serenades the party. But Owen uses this opportunity to break up with her. She gets confused, and Bastion pulls her away to toast with some shitty cognac. And we cut back, and Owen is gone, and Cat looks fucking weirded out that he just showed up and disappeared and broke up with her. But we cut to Cat in her apartment playing her piano and finally finding the words to sing about him because she is heartbroken that he left. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, the song she wrote for him climbs the charts in another fucking montage <laughs> as Bastion's song about second chances with Cat descends the chart. That's oh. really poetic, isn't it, Paul? It's just such yeah. a poetic moment to see this. It's amazing. But we cut to yet another goddamn montage of her finally learning how to make a smoothie and him walking around pouty and social media showing misinterpreted images of Bastion being too handsy with fucking Cat and people thinking that they're back together. But outside the school, they stage a very obvious scene of the manager trying to give Charlie the check for the school's math wing. There was the deal from the beginning, and it just so happens that he reveals if Charlie doesn't take the check, that the prenup isn't binding and that he could tell his story or write a book. Charlie is, of course, insulted by this and stomps away and tears up the check. Meaning that the kids never got their math wing, but besides the, besides the point. Shit. Back... Back in their respective apartments, they both miss each other and the store and oh. stare longingly at their phones and videos of their first kiss, etc. It's not but really clear how long this montage is covering, like time months, wise. Months, yeah. dude. It's like what the fuck? <laughs> I, I don't understand. It's just a really long montage, but, you know, as we cut to the street and the kids are loading onto a bus to get to the mathathon that is somehow just a cheese bus rather than a coach bus, despite the mathathon being in Peoria, Illinois, which is a fucking 12-hour drive, are they really going to drive on this shitty little fucking orange bus rather than get an actual tour bus that's actually safer and has goddamn seatbelts? I mean, that's a... Whatever. And, like, luggage... You know, areas where they can stash their luggage. But we see Sarah filming a video for social media, right? But in the close-up on her phone panning to the kids, it's a normal... Or, I'm sorry, it's the normal video app that's on the iPhone recording. But then on the screen graphics for the movie that come up on the screen, we see it's an Instagram Live for some reason. Again, this is shitty prop work, man. This is the fucking shittiest prop work I've seen in a long time. It's like they're not even paying attention. 
But as Kat waits to go on Jimmy Fallon, she gets an earful from the wardrobe girl, and Kat gets sad that the mathlon is tomorrow. But then when Bastion shows up, he gets really handsy with the same woman in front of Kat, <laughs> making up her decision for her, because that's not obvious yeah, and absolutely yeah. ridiculous. But Yeah, no, what, like, could have been a better movie if he didn't keep forcing her hands. <laughs> yeah, like... He keeps fucking around and being a normal douchebag, but if he wasn't, if he just kept, you know, lying to her and in her face being all wonderful. But behind her back, she's, fucking around. Well, you know, not even behind her back. He's like, oh, you know, I, I, I've thought about everything that I've done and I'm so sorry and I've, I'm a changed man. And now you need to make a decision between Dick Knows and me. <laughs> that would have been a more interesting movie instead of I'm just a douchebag. Sure. You know, uh, I could have done better. I mean, but they could have done a lot of things that. better, but this movie yeah. is that movie, Paul. <laughs> but on commercial break on Fallon, she finally has her epiphany that Bastion is a bastard and that she needs to pick the white guy over the Latino guy that is not a cheater because apparently white men are going to fix everything again in a goddamn movie. <laughs> We just stop with this bullshit, please? But she kisses Bastion and runs to a random limo outside and tells said limo driver to take her to the airport. She doesn't say which one, by the way. And he <laughs> does. This isn't New York, dude. Like, that limo driver would have been cursing her the fuck out and been like, get the fuck out of my cab. What the fuck are you doing in the back of my limo? He would not have just driven her to the airport, let alone that she never said what airport. LaGuardia, where she was in Manhattan, LaGuardia is the closest. But she could have meant JFK, but he doesn't fucking know. Or fucking Newark is right there, too. I mean, he could have taken her to Newark. Know. She probably isn't even aware that there's different airports. There's just the plane place. That's, sure. That's all where she the planes live. Can you take me where the planes live? <laughs> But at the airport, she can't figure out how flights work, and it's all charming, etc. Just in time for her manager to get there with a ticket, her passport, and her wallet so she can have the quintessential rom-com airport romantic desperation scene. But he can't, for some reason, having grabbed her passport and gotten her the last ticket on the flight, even though they just said that the fucking flight was sold out. For some yeah. goddamn reason, he somehow yeah. got this ticket. I mean, he could have just booked a chartered airplane. It would be a lot easier. He got a ticket, <laughs> he got a, her fucking wallet, he got her fucking passport, but he can't remember a goddamn coat. That he, She's going to fucking Peoria and it's cold outside, are you kidding me? But on the plane, her next relatable moment comes in the form of her saying that she wants to buy caviar and champagne for everyone on the, for everyone on the plane, to which the stewardess says that they only have ham wraps, cheese curds, and Michelob Ultra. What airline is she flying on? <laughs> Spirit Airlines? What the fuck is this place? <laughs> Dude, seriously, every airline I've ever been on, minus Spirit Airlines, actually has fucking champagne. They don't have caviar, but they at least have champagne. You're telling me yeah. this place only has fucking Michelob Ultra? And are they making fun of Illinois in that sense? That if this plane is going to Illinois, it's all they got is ham, right. cheese, and Michelob Ultra? Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty shitty of them. <laughs> 
But Sarah Silverman surprises Cat at the airport in Peoria, which is very clearly MacArthur Airport in Long Island, but whatever. It's like <laughs> not good set dressing in this moment. But they realize that they're going to be late and if they order an Uber. So Sarah steps in front of an airport shuttle in order to stop him and plead and recap the whole goddamn movie in case you weren't sitting in the theater and paying attention. And they somehow buy the shuttle ride to the Mathalon. But you know what? Post 9-11, this shit would be deemed as terrorist activity <laughs> and Cat would be whisked off to Guantanamo Bay and the shuttle dude would lose his job and everything that he owned for a rich person who doesn't know her own goddamn privilege all so that she can get <laughs> to the fucking mathalon. I don't get this yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, in the very least, he would lose his job and his benefits, probably get some kind of criminal record for stealing a shuttle bus. Yeah. And I'll for all for thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, come on, cat. You know, cat Valdez, you're multimillionaire. Like, break me off some of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> break me off a lot of that. Let's, let's be real here. But as Lou chokes on the final question of the mathalon, and the opponent team says some really shitty stuff to her, which, by the way, where the fuck did that come from? All of a sudden, these kids know. are just like absolute gaping anuses toward this little girl <laughs> for no reason it just comes out of nowhere but anyway so lou starts dancing because her dad starts dancing like fucking a cat taught them how to do in order to like take their mind off of their nervousness i'm not sure exactly how making yourself more of a spectacle makes you concentrate for some reason but i don't know maybe i know nothing about how fucking anything works but Lou dances and people are distracted by Cat barging in. Cat loses the competition because she runs out of time and they share a tender moment as Cat makes her grand gesture and begs to be with Owen Wilson by holding up a sign that says, marry me, and then pulling out another sign and says, again, on it. And just like that, just like that, Paul, even though they are ju they just lost the competition that may help <laughs> Lou get into a good college one day, it doesn't matter because Cat proposed and Owen said yes. We cut to a medium of the two of them that is clearly shot on a film camera and they layer an Instagram GUI on top of it that says he said yes, but there's like depth of field and it's like a medium telephoto lens. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? <laughs> but as we cut to multiple screens side by side, somehow they form a triptych of a widescreen image of a bunch of middle schoolers singing along the cat song. I don't get this moment. This is shitty work again. It's like... There's three Instagram screens up, and it's like the same group of kids, but they're perfectly stitched together between the three screens, even though it's different accounts posting it. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this prop work, bro? Like, it's like the <laughs> prop people didn't pay attention to what the hell is going on. Or the fucking editor, for that matter. But... We see all this shit, but not sure how these three separate cameras on Instagram Live can combine to form a Cinemascope singular image, but whatever. Doesn't matter. Just, just drop a gig. It's okay. But just then, we <laughs> enter yet another montage of how happy everyone is in both realms because they are happy together. Bastion's uh -huh. out banging these girls that clearly look like they're underage, but whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. 
But then she's sitting on the couch and she's having a great time because she's crammed on this tiny little couch in this shitty little apartment that's definitely a dump to her, even though it's like fucking way too great for a goddamn <laughs> math teacher in order to afford that shit. She's feeding the dog and blah, 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 blah. And wouldn't you know it, Paul, we cut to a bunch of videos of couples explaining how they met, starting with the fictional couples of the makeup artist from Fallon and Cat's manager, then Cat's social media girl and the asshole teacher of the math team that took the title from Lou for some goddamn reason. <laughs> Not sure how that happened. And a bunch of real couples. And then Cat and Owen saying, we met at a concert as we finally cut to black and roll credits to more JLo music because this did she release another album and this whole movie was just a way of like getting yeah. the album out that's what it's it feels probably. like it feels like this ham-fisted thing sort of like how Celine Dion like was ham-fistedly like trying to do the Titanic album and get her single out there because she had her new album coming up and like blah 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 and like fucking James Cameron the asshole that he is oh. like tried to capitalize I mean, on that shit if you can't sell action figures you can sell albums music CDs yeah. Celine Dion Pride of Canada yay oh. her and Brian Adams <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry Canada I really do love you <laughs> that was a little that was a little mean I apologize about that anyway so Paul uh, what why do they continue to make movies like this it seems like every rom-com I haven't seen a rom-com in a really long time and it seems like every rom-com that I watch gets a little stupider every single time. And I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. I don't know if I'm just a bitter old man that's like, that's not how people fall in love. God damn it. In my day, in my day, I wooed my wife. I spent all sorts of time doing all these cute things for her. Is this what I have to look forward to as yeah. I get older? Every, every time... Yeah, it's just gonna insult you further. <laughs> whole Hollywood system is just gonna keep I, putting this shit out. I honestly can't wait for when Gen Z, Gen Z or Gen X or whatever Gen whatever the fuck it is right now, these young kids that are like in their tweens right now. I can't wait to see when they start directing movies and what their romantic comedies and shit look like because I I really want to see what their narratives are because. <laughs> It's just, it's probably going to be that Two moment people that finally sitting at a table, texting each other back and forth, <laughs> not even looking at each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to really insult me and I'm going to be that old man in the theater that's like, what did he say? This is bullshit. <laughs> Fuck this movie. I don't know why I'm here. Where am I? I think I just yeah. shit myself. I got to go home. <laughs> I'm going to be that guy, though. I'm going to be that guy when I'm old that it that I scare children because I'm, like, saying oh, yeah. fucked up shit <laughs> just to mess with the kids. <laughs> I can't wait to be old because of that. I'm, so, I'm going to sure. fuck with people so badly, dude. For and sure. Be, uh, and then just blame it on me being old, like uh, like that guy from Waiting where he's just like, it's kind of great getting old. I can give small children the middle finger while wearing my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> I just want to say one thing about this Sure It has this pop score running throughout Oh yeah Except when they need to manipulate you Into feeling something For the words And then they bring in like a little orchestral thing 
Right. But it's like so obviously manipulative. You're like, oh, what is this deep and loving thing that they're going to say next? So y- your wife is like a big fan of rom-coms or like likes those chick uh, style movies she, or whatever. Pretty sure this is the only movie she watched before she met me or something like that. So. <laughs> but when she watched this, was she aware of the blatant manipulation with oh, shit yeah. like that? She she's making fun of it the whole time. So good. I mean, it's a yeah. terrible movie. It's good that uh, it didn't yeah, work on her. I always wonder about that. Is it? Do they have this down to a formula like so well that they can just cash the fu- like press the cash button on the register and take the fucking cash yeah, out? Yeah, pretty sure it's just an algorithm. It just writes these things. Spits I mean, I read I read this review that said that this movie felt like it was written and directed by AI, but I had no idea how real people interact. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, certainly feels that way. One day we're gonna see it, man. We're gonna see a movie written by, you know, artificial intelligence, and it's gonna be like. <laughs> I mean, in all likelihood, it's going to just be about a bunch of white supremacy because that's what AI like latches onto when it's like because it's pervading the internet right now. It's crazy, man. But anyway, so uh, Paul, looking forward to next week, man. What uh, what's jumping out at you? I don't want to talk about the tentacle porn. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't take the tentacle porn movie. So I made Gabe watch this movie. What was it called? The, the over the over fiend something the over fiend. <laughs> so I thought it would be funny to do a an anime movie, but uh, Gabe just couldn't. I couldn't, couldn't hack it, it, man. I yeah, couldn't get couldn't to hack it. it. Yeah, just too so much tentacle know. rape. I'm out of ideas. Too much tentacle rape. It's part of the. You just got to roll with it when you're watching anime. Yeah. You have to expect technical rape. It just—it's part of the. <laughs> it's part of the landscape. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was the god awful <sighs> at romantic comedy. This is where J Lo is now. Like, I thought for sure at some point she would try to be a dramatic uh, actress. Like, I really did. I thought she was going to try at some uh, point. She somewhere she has it in her, I think. If she wanted, maybe. I mean, maybe U turn. I mean, maybe U turn, or you know, I mean, sort of out of sight, but I don't know. I mean, she's just. I mean, the cell was pretty good. She's good. Yeah, I mean, the cell. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, dramatic. Yeah. yeah. So I take that back. But I mean, she hasn't done that. And that's twenty-two years ago. Yeah. So maybe she needs to. I mean, she's. It's hard to find roles as a 55 or whatever, 52-year-old actress in Hollywood, you know. Mm. You got to at least give it to her for keep it on trucking, you know, something. Sure. I, I mean, she was, mm. she was nice to work with. I'll never begrudge her that. Like, she was a super nice person to work with, and she seemed professional enough when I was working wait, on shit. Wait, she wasn't like South Park portrayed her? No, no, she wasn't flat butt and pancake head like <laughs> South Park portrayed her. <laughs> if you have not seen that episode of South Park, you need to watch that, everyone. That is required viewing. It's one of the truly great ones. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Once again, this is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Shingles.
Have a great night, guys. <laughs>